It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. The simplicity of the path is often what makes it so hard. Because we've been trained from a very early age to want to be entertained all the time to want to always have something interesting to think about or to do, which draws us away from the simple experience of being. We, we make up all these stories and uh, they keep us interested in life. And you can be perfectly active and engaged in life without the need for distractions. Some of you know I have an uh, Instagram page. I love it. Why? Because I don't have to listen to anyone's opinions about anything. I don't have to see political crap. I can see pictures if I want, which I, I don't really subscribe to many except for a few family members and a couple of musicians that are friends of mine. Um, but I post pictures and videos on there. And they're usually pictures of, or video, 12 second videos of my garden at sunset. Or just now before this class, I happened to look up outside. Um, it's some birds sitting on a, a power line. I was just watching them. And they were just sitting there, they weren't doing anything. And they sat there for a long time. So you know what, I'm gonna take a picture of that. So I took a 12 second video of these birds up on the power line and I posted it. And I do this on purpose um, because it's in those kinds of moments where life is actually happening. And all the stories that we tell ourselves, eh, they're fun. Um, but ultimately we're learning to let go of that to embrace this kind of beingness. Um, and when you embrace that kind of beingness, your life is radically different than most everyone else's because you're not always trying to get to the next thing. You're not always trying to do something else. Um, you're supposed to give up all desires, yeah. Uh, but the one desire you're not supposed to give up is that desire for realization or God. Because the more you desire that, the more you draw clarity into your life, until you realize that you are perfectly whole and serene, no matter what situations rise and fall. And that is a hard thing to grasp. Most people quit because they can't understand it because it's not something that you can define. It's not something that you can uh, get accolades for or point out or um, be recognized for. And this is why we meditate or try to meditate so deeply because that gives us access to that state of being. And if we can stay there, and, and it's often described as a battle because we have to fight out all the stuff that's vying for our attention, even the little things, even the little things. <clears throat> and you catch that glimpse of pure being. And then you know what it's about. And then you're not concerned about being good or being bad. You're appropriate in every situation. And whether you're, like I said, you know, scraping up an overflow of sewage from your basement, or whether you're up on a mountaintop seeing 
you know, beautiful yogis <clears throat> meditating together. It's all just as beautiful. And we resist that. We fight that. We want there to be a, we want there to be one side, which is so good. But if we want one side to be so good, we're always caught in the loop of duality because we're always making something better than something else. And this is the resistance. And the reason we have the principles of yoga and the qualities and characteristics described in the Bhagavad Gita is because uh, those, are, those are the natural expression of what a human being is like. That the highest manifestation of a human being, the highest manifestation of God in this world as a human being. And so when we, when we integrate those uh, qualities and characteristics and they become us, well, then we are truly embodying the highest manifestation of divinity in this time-space continuum through a human body. Through a human body, which means while we are in a human body, that is what is appropriate to do. When the human body drops, well, then there's a whole other, then you make it to fourth grade. <laughs> and you start fourth grade. And just like you start third grade, you didn't know what the hell you were supposed to do until you got through third grade. Well, you start in fourth grade, look around, there's going to be a good teacher there to help you along the way. And you continue until eventually you become a graduate. You're free, supremely free. This is what the Yoga Sutras lead to, the Bhagavad Gita, the study of the holy science and those practices lead to. And you become supremely free. And you're free. Nothing beyond that. And there doesn't need to be anything beyond that. But we can't mistake, oh, um, I can't wait to get out of third grade, then I'll be supremely free. You know, we can't think that way. In this case, while we are in school, uh, it's not the destination, it is the journey that we need to pay attention to because the destination will take care of itself. The only purpose of this life then is transcendence. The only purpose of human life, yes, is transcendence of our attachments and our aversions. Transcendence of our attachments and our aversions. Um, and again, the subtle process of that can't really be understated or overstated, I guess I should say. It can't really be overstated. It can definitely be understated. Um, because, you know, in the beginning, I can remember, I've got to get away from my family. They're so annoying. They're just always pulling me into codependence. They're always stressing me out. They, they're manipulative. They're needy. Uh, I need to get away from them because they're getting in the way. Years go by. Okay. I can be around them now. I can love them to a point, but then I got to get out of there because I, even I have my limits. Uh, and then eventually you see them for what they are. People trying their best. You love them. You respect them. You don't want to get away from them because you, oh, I got to get away from them. It's just because it's not appropriate for you to be there anymore. And so you walk away and you come back and you, you let them have their life and their drama and you, you be a part of their life as best you can. And you're not attached to them and you want to make them better. You wish, they, you wish them well and you support them when you can. But you know none of your words and nothing that you say about how wonderful yoga is is going to make any difference for them. They have to come to these ideas themselves. Um, and you're not averse to them either. 
you see them even when they're ugly and when they're manipulative and they're being petty like you remember as a child, um, you love them anyway because you don't see them as manipulative, ugly, or petty anymore. You see them as people who have certain conditioning and they're working through it just like we all have done. And so then uh, you are no longer suffering from attachment or aversion. You're being appropriate to them. It all comes down to being appropriate. And this is one of the reasons why in uh, the book, Long Pilgrimage with Shiva Puri Baba, uh, he says that the reason you have to utterly get rid of all likes and dislikes because you can't be appropriate when you have likes and dislikes. And he gives an example of how, he says, if someone comes to me and they're my friend and I'm attached to them, he's like, maybe they ask me for money or they ask me for help in some way. And um, it's not appropriate. It's not going to be helpful for them. They're just going to go blow it on drugs or waste it on gambling. But because they're my friend and I'm attached to them, I give it to them anyway. That was not appropriate. So by not being attached, if they come to you, appropriate would be, no, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do that for you right now. Uh, same way, if you have no likes and dislikes and an enemy comes to you and they need food, uh, if you don't like them, then you'll say, get out of here, you're my enemy. And that's not appropriate. If someone needs food, even if they're your enemy, you give it to them. So likes and dislikes, that's how you, getting rid of your likes and dislikes, that's where the, the way you transcend life comes in, into play. So you, you, get a, you get more of an understanding of that the more you practice truthfulness, as I've talked about earlier on. Because the more you practice truthfulness, the more you are able to feel and understand what is appropriate and what is not appropriate. And the stronger you get in truthfulness uh, and letting go of the fruits of your actions, the easier it becomes and the more in harmony you are with um, life and life experiences. You know, this is what true satsang is about. And I remember being in Asheville and you know, the really interesting ideas about spiritual communities and everyone wanted to get together for satsang. But satsang is really just talking about what is necessary and what is true. And oftentimes I would go to various satsangs at the invitation of friends and we'd sit there and I'd think, what the hell am I doing here? And why are you here? And why did you even invite me here? Have you not been paying attention to uh, the things that we've been studying? Because all we're doing is confusing each other. I mean, people talk about stuff and they talk themselves in circles. And I hope and I pray that I'm not talking you in circles. Um, I try to be as consistent as possible and speak to my experience. But oftentimes in these ideas of satsangs, People are just talking and talking and talking, and you're thinking, wow. Well, I guess it depends on your discernment. But you're thinking, wow, what, how is this even helping me in my life and clarifying, <laughs> clarifying my ability to, to walk this path? But what we're doing now, this is satsang, as far as I understand and appreciate it. And I remember being with Mr. Davis, and that was satsang, because he just talked directly to the questions that were asked and not every question can really be answered with words, which that was part of the issues with the satsangs that I went to is the person thought if they couldn't answer the question with words and they weren't that good. So they would talk about things that couldn't be spoken about. And that's where the confusion came in. Anyway, let's get back to this question about boundaries. So how do I measure if I have good boundaries or not? In terms of social media, you had mentioned that too much exposure may not be good, especially when not having mental boundaries. You may not have called it mental, but I don't remember the word. Basically, media exposure, social media, uh, if it gets into you and you can't shake it, you don't, got a good, you don't have good mental boundaries. 
Uh, I have a, a family member, well, a few family members, but one in particular I'm thinking of who gets really fired up about politics. And he has to, he has to turn off Facebook and get away from it because he'll just sit there and it'll, he'll just get more and more into it and more and more fired up about it. And it, it makes him angry and it makes him anxious. And um, that permeates the rest of his day. He doesn't treat his wife so well after that. He's short with people. Um, so part of mental boundaries in regards to social media is knowing what can you handle and when is it getting in the way of your inner peace? Uh, social media is terrible. I don't like it at all. I wish I didn't have to use it, but in order to reach people these days, I have to use YouTube and Facebook and those sorts of things. But if I ever take the time to scroll through what everyone's posting, it's ridiculous and it's stupid. You've got people talking about, you know, they're, they're talking about their political agendas as if someone who doesn't believe in their political agendas is really going to think about what they're saying. <laughs> it's just a total waste of time. The people who agree with you already agree with you. You posting on Facebook is not going to make any difference. Um, so you have to be aware of, you have to, you have to stop and practice self-honesty. Remember we talked about this early on as a quality of discipleship, self-honesty. What can I handle? Meaning, uh, sometimes when it comes to musical projects that I like doing, I know that I have to set aside a certain amount of time to focus on it because I can lose myself in that project. I can forget about hours and eating and daytime and forget about work, and, and that's not good. So that's not a good mental boundary. Or when it comes to interacting with certain family members or friends, I know I can spend a little bit of time with them, but if I spend too much more time with them, I just don't have the capacity to not get pulled into their train of thought. It's not so true these days, but early on that was an issue. So I had to say, look, I'm coming over for an hour. Hours up. It was wonderful. I love you. See you later. When it comes to Facebook, YouTube, sitting there and, and reading all this stuff and getting yourself worked up, if you know that you do that, cut it out. If there's something you really need to know, someone will tell you. Um, worrying about this person with that disease, pray for me for this and so on. And you can go on, you can waste hours and hours with that kind of stuff. God will take care of people the way God needs to take care of them. Um, so developing that kind of uh, self-honesty uh, about how easily are you distracted and how easily do you get pulled into these distractions and you keep thinking about them afterwards, you have to figure out what it, where is the line that you have to draw so that you don't get distracted by this stuff. Ultimately, you cut it all out. But I know in, in our world now, the way communication is, you can't quite. But what you can do, for example, on social media, is unfollow all the people that are just wasting your time. Maybe you've got a best friend that posts something once a week. Oh, you like to know about that. Great. You know that best friend is living his life. He's not trying to, yeah, I have a relative that uh, she's, she posts probably, if I look at her, if I look at her timeline, she probably posts 14 different things in an hour. <laughs> most of it's nonsense. And most of it's not even true. Um, but none of you, I don't think, have that issue. Um, but we all have it to some degree. Way back when Facebook first started, um, I often blamed myself for getting sick when I would get sick. I don't really get sick that often. But whenever I would get a cold or get run down, I would say, you know what? It's me wasting all my mental energy paying attention to all of this. And so I would delete my face or deactivate, deactivate my Facebook account and not get on it for months. <laughs> so I don't know if that speaks to what you're asking. If not, please clarify. Um, otherwise, consider that.
Okay, yesterday when I referred to loneliness, I meant the good feeling of satsang. I've left groups due to poor satsang, but sometimes I like the support of like-minded people. How do I lose that dependence? Okay, this is the way you lose that dependence. The way that you deal with that loneliness and lose that dependence is you need to find a group of people that have in the same interests you do that's just lighthearted and fun to talk about. Spiritual groups, they're, they're just weird. Um, that's why I don't like to encourage them. Uh, when you start getting into belief systems uh, and people trying to prove or, sh or com be competitive about their devotion and their love, and, and then they, they want to suck up to the teacher and they want to feel more special as though they're, they're, they're better than others or closer to the teacher. I see that all the time. Um, so what I recommend is get a hobby, get a hobby, something that doesn't require any kind of weird philosophical moral dogma, that's just people coming together because they love talking about it, or they love doing it, or they enjoy it, kayaking together, playing cards, just get into it, have fun playing cards. If you, if you love playing cards with people, and you're able to observe other people's um, uh, personalities, you're less likely to, to feel like it's an unhealthy group because you're just playing cards and you know people are people. So there's not that weird expectation that some kind of spiritual group is going to be better than others. Um, so the way I recommend losing that dependence is just find like-minded people that enjoy what you like, making baskets, uh, going for walks, um, things like that. That way you're able to have a group that fulfills um, your need for socialization, because socialization is very good for you. It, it, it does, it helps you live longer, it helps you be happier, but you gotta have socialization that's, that's fun, that's, that's enjoyable. And when it comes to something like um, spiritual groups, it's easy to get let down. Uh, the Methodist minister who's been friends of mine since I was in my since I was 20, uh, he actually married Melissa and I and he buried her. I'm still good friends with him. He would always make a joke. He'd say, uh, the best way to lose your faith is to make friends with your priest. <laughs> the best way to lose your faith is to make friends with your priest. So I, I would take it a step further and say, the best way to lose your, your, your faith in, in spirituality and humanity is to make friends with your fellow spiritual seekers <laughs> or, or try to have a group based on that. Um, yeah, okay. I think I've, I've spoken to it enough because now... I love the interactions that I have with people. I love going fishing with friends when that can happen. Uh, I love playing music with my friends because we're just getting together to play music. I don't care how moral they are. I mean, I want them to be nice, good people, but I don't care what they do with their lives. Uh, I'm not, it's not my responsibility. They're not, I'm not their responsibility. We come together for music. Um, I love fantasy. Uh, since I was a little kid, I, I was always interested in Dungeons and Dragons and fantasy novels. And I let that go for a long time. But now I'm back in my hometown with my sister, who's just a little younger than me, but she's into that kind of stuff. And um, the daughter of um, the woman I'm in a relationship with, she's uh, in her late teens and she likes Dungeons and Dragons. And I've got a friend from college and high school that we used to play with. And I can remember being in his attic. I was probably 16. Um, we're sitting up there and I'm probably chain smoking and we're playing Dungeons and Dragons and it's three o'clock in the morning and he was probably about four years older than me. I said, 
wouldn't it be great if when we're 40, we're still playing D&D? <laughs> and I had to laugh because since I moved back and I've occasionally uh, once a month or a couple times a month gotten together with uh, my sister and my friend and um, a few others and played D&D, I'm like, that's great. We're having a good time. We're making a story up together. We're problem solving together. We're laughing at jokes together. Uh, we're having that kind of camaraderie. It's a good time. And that happens maybe once or twice a month for a couple hours at a time. I love it. It's wonderful. I don't get anything spiritual about it. Uh, we don't have any of that kind of expectation. We support each other. We're happy with each other. So, yeah, just treat your spiritual practice as your personal practice. Have a relationship with a mentor. Have a relationship with God. God, just God. Learn from someone who knows what they're talking about, hopefully. <laughs> as far as you can tell, they know what they're talking about. Um, and then the rest of your life, let that imbue the rest of your life. Don't make your life about it. Let your life be imbued with it. And the people you spend time with, you've got interests. You've got to have interests. And bring that kind of joy to the world. When I play music, you know, Mr. Davis, he was very much about staying true to the path. And I get that completely. Um, and what I found in, in playing music, I don't do it for a living. I don't care if I get paid for it. I do it because I love it. And what I found is that it brings joy to people. Whether I'm sitting on my porch and, you know, the neighbor drives by and he, he yells up, oh, it was wonderful. It was so nice to hear you playing while I was working. While he was working, he was brought some joy to his life. Or when I would be in Asheville and we'd play at the Irish sessions on Sunday, I'd go have a good time and um, people would you could tell they just helped create good memories for them. It would uplift them. That was wonderful. And that was, that was a way to bring some peace and clarity to people. It doesn't always have to be about things that you consider to be spiritual, but it was imbued with my ability to focus and to really enjoy the music and let that shine through. And that probably occurred because of my capacity for meditation and yoga. So whatever you do, your life can be enjoyable. You just have to be honest with yourself about, you've got to figure out how to make it enjoyable. You've got to figure out how to do your spiritual practice, take your spiritual practice seriously, and then tweak your life, experiment, drop them some things, bring some things in, ignore certain people for a little while, see how that goes. Does it improve your life? Pay attention to other people. How does that go? Does that improve your life? You've got to feel it out. This, there's no formula or prescription, which if you just plugged in the numbers, magically it's going to happen. You have to grow into your life, grow into your life, and let everything that you grow into be permeated with the light of your meditation practice, the light of your personal study, the light of what you understand to be uh, through the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita, through the uh, embodiment of the teacher that you, you learn from. Then your life becomes alive and it's not, it's not always easy. So that's why, as we discussed earlier, you have to have the grit and the ability to accept a challenge and realize that some sacrifices and challenges are going to be painful for a while until you get the hang of it. And then you have that, ah, the real dopamine floods your, your body and your awareness. We've been conditioned to look for the immediate serotonin and dopamine fix. It's because of social media. It's because of how food is made these days. It's because of TV. It's the instant gratification that we have in this time, in this kind of uh, worldview. When years ago, you got the dopamine, you got the serotonin by working hard and then stopping and seeing what you've done. Yeah, that was good. So the working hard was worth it for those people. 
But these days we just push a button. Oh, look, someone liked my, my post, dopamine. Oh, let's go to the store and get some mac and cheese bites, more calories than you need, sugar, fat, dopamine, or serotonin. Oh, let's do this, immediate response. That's why we can't do things that are hard work these days <laughs> because we're so overrun by um, instant gratification. And to practice yoga, you can't have that mentality uh, because you just won't have the ability uh, to stick with it, to finally, after a year, sit back and say, whoa, what is this? All of this work, yeah. I'm willing to work harder now too because that was worth it. This is, uh, this is how we really have to reevaluate our lives and um, kind of see our life in that way. Um, yeah, anyway, so consider that and find something like that. Find something like that. Make it a part of creating your character, strengthening your character. And by strengthening your character, that doesn't mean strengthening your ego. Strengthening your character means uh, improving your avatar in this world so that God can come through more freely, so pure consciousness can come through more freely and accurately and strongly and purely. That's why you build character, not because of your ego, uh, but so those things can come through more clearly. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.